crazy world what we can do? We never stop learning. Welcome everyone to another segment of Rita's World. Today I have two guests. My little goldfish, Oscar, is still with me. He is happy as a lamb or a fish, <laughs> but uh, I give him fresh water every three days and he gets fed three times a day, a little, little, tiny, tiny little pellet. But anyway, I had to show Oscar to everybody because he's still alive. And then my other guest is my son, Wynn Weaver. Yes. And Wynn, I'm going to talk about Wynn, but I have to tell you about how Wynn came into my life. I met this wonderful man, Mr. Doodles Weaver. I think it was 1950 or, I don't know, 52. I don't know the name of the year, but he was a wonderful friend, and he was a kind man and taught me a lot. He was with the Horace Height Show, and he said, someday I'm going to marry you. And I think I'm 16 or 17. I said, oh, I'm not getting married till I'm 21. He said, well, I'll wait. And I was just never thought I'd marry Doodles Weaver, but he was the kindest man. And I said, well, if I ever got married, I'd want a man to give give me a house and two children. He said, I'd do that. So I thought of that for years and years and years. And when I was 21, I married him. And I had two children and a house. This is my son, Wynn Weaver. There he is. He was born with all this hair, and he still got a full head of hair. <laughs> and my daughter, Janella, and Aunt Silva, Doodles Weaver's sister. And there I am. So I just had to share that with you before I talk about Wynn because when he came into my life, he was quite, a, he had a mind of his own. When Wynn was six months or seven months old, he was sitting in the high chair and I'd feed him. And he one day thought, he took that spoon and he wanted to do it himself. I said, great, less work for me, kid. So I could wash dishes in the kitchen. He was right there in the high chair. So I thought, boy, this kid has got a mind of his own. That's pretty good. So then when he's about two, two and a half, I'm in the bedroom making the beds and I hear boom, boom, boom. So I have to, it's strange. I go in there, I said, when, what are you doing? Daddy, daddy. His daddy, Doodles Weaver, was a famous actor. It was on radio and TV. Daddy, daddy, he wanted to get daddy out of the TV, radio. And I went, oh, that's terrible. I think I have a juvenile delinquent. I told my husband when he came home from the radio show, oh, he said, don't be upset about that. Your son is curious. He wants to, he's got a good mind. He said, we're going to go to the junk stores, Salvation Army, every place and we'll buy him things that he can take apart. So anyway, I want to introduce you to Wynn. Okay, well, Wynn. thanks for having me. Yeah, I, so you were a little whippersnapper. Well, at a very, very young age, and I can remember being as, as young as six months old, by the way, and I have proof of that because we have a picture, yes. which I didn't bring, I wish I would have brought it, Yeah. Uh, of me as a, as a family, uh, a por 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 portrait right. of me holding my th hand like this, 
I remember the, the uh, photographer trying to make in this weird position. I was very unhappy. Yeah. I remember I, the pain of this guy holding my hand in a very unnormal <laughs> position. And I said to myself, this is not nice. I don't like this guy. <laughs> but, I was, I was, but I was fascinated by the camera. I was looking at the camera and saying, what's that So, and of course, then after that, I just started having a curiosity for anything mechanical, electrical. Yes. Uh, anything that moved, I want to see why. And right. And I just started taking things apart like crazy. As I recall, you guys had to hide all the tape recorders and the, and the good stuff and put it up in the, in the closet way up high yes. where I couldn't get to it because I would definitely take it apart. Yeah. <laughs> but luckily, you guys bought me tools and not toys. I know it. We, we had this, bought you too. We had this one neighbor in particular. Roy, Roy Beach. Roy Beach, and he used to work on his trucks. And at four or five years old, I'd go, actually, no, I guess three or four years old. We left at four. You do, yeah. So at three or four years old, I'd go over there and see how he had the brakes, brakes apart. And then I'd take it. And he gave me a pair of wire cutters. That was pretty dangerous. You know, I started cutting all kinds of wires, and it was not good. But anyway, and I'm actually lucky to be alive because in those days, all the things you got me, you had to plug into the wall. They weren't battery powered. No. So I'd be taking tape recorders apart and things apart, radios apart that were all plugged in 110 volts. So I, I, I let that be a lesson to you. <laughs> I, you know, probably shouldn't be here right now. But um, Yeah, but the thing is, what I'm trying to, for the parents, if your children are interested in things, don't say, oh, you're too young, you can't do, I mean, within reason, of course, and guiding them and being being with them, but let them experiment, let them learn, follow well, their lead. Well, one of the things I found very interesting, at a very young age, I was looking at almost everything that was given to me or purchased for me or I'd buy or something, I'd figure out a way to get it, and it would say, keep away from children. I know, <laughs> yeah. I'd say, well, I, I, is that me? Yeah, that's and you. So you know, I'm, I'm eight years old or seven years old with a, a Weller soldering gun. And I was doing some soldering because we have a neighbor that was electronics kind of a geek. And he taught me all these things. I built this little power supply and some other stuff, a little radio. <laughs> and I remember I had this soldering gun. I kept burning my leg with the solder. I was like, oh, oh my I God. can't do that. <laughs> okay. What did I know? You know? But anyway, I still have that soldering gun, I, I think, by the way. It's oh, my gosh. years later. But anyway, I was always curious about these different things. And, and it's, it's fun for me. I, I, I think about it constantly when I'm doing other things. I'm thinking about how to work on something while I'm working on something else. So wow. Multitasking. Because your mind on. never stops, huh? Never stops. Well, I was never told I couldn't do something. I know. It's probably my fault. That's yeah, a problem. Oh. I mean, I just, the word no never existed. It's like, oh my God. Okay, so. Well, be careful what existed, but I, well, be we careful, were always around you, though. We did, More or less. More or less, I yeah, hope. More or less. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, how about now that you're a grown man, you have a friend out in, uh, where was out, it? Out, out in uh, Woodland Hills. Yeah. So I, not only did I, well, not only did I have the soldering uh, gun, but you, we went to Pep Boys and they used to sell all kinds of uh, things. At, at seven or eight years old, you bought me a skill saw. Well, so that's right. So I could right. cut my leg off or you oh, name you it, could? oh my God. Oh no. And I started to build my own little shack, as you might recall, at about eight years old. And we, I think I got five or six boards up and the neighbors called the city and they maybe tear it down the two days later that's but right I, that's right I had some we were going to build a tree house well that was no this oh, was that actually was a different a, actual strict uh, two by four structure oh i got the foundation pretty much done and so, as soon as i started putting the two by fours up the neighbors could see across the fence and they called it in oh and oh. take it down okay but anyway but i, but I learned that. how to use a saw at a very young age too so yeah my friend called me up he said i got this problem with it with a deck 
And so I ended up having to help him rebuild this whole thing. 440 pieces of wood I had to cut, measure, and fit. And it turned out absolutely perfect. And he sold the house. Uh, like the second person who saw the house sold it. And the deck is what sold the house, by the way. Wow. So and you've never really built a deck before. Not not like, not, not not like, that. like that. I mean, I've done a lot of stupid little things. Yeah. But, nothing, this was, but that was really yeah. professional. And halfway through, he says, that's it. I quit. We can't do this. We'll never get it done. I said, I'm not going to let this stop. We've already spent the money on the wood. We've already paid all this stuff. I'm putting this thing together. And I pushed him the rest of the way. He wanted to actually, at that point, go tear it all down, just take it to the dump and be done with it. Oh, my. And I said, no. And then, anyway. So the house sold, and he's happy, and that's a good thing. That's very good. I'm happy for that. Okay. And now, today, what do you do? You? Well, actually, uh, it's funny you should mention that. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) I actually... I've been a, kind of a worker. I guess I learned that mostly from you, not really from my dad. Uh, but uh, basically, at a very, very young age, I had this entrepreneurial spirit of uh, always you know, being my own boss and having my own business and whatnot. But to get there, you had to work for somebody else, of course. So at age eight, oh, I yeah. went to work at 31 Flavors. Oh, yeah, 31 Flavors, yeah, right up, on Magnolia. Yeah. I'd ride my bicycle up there, and I'd make $2 a day. Yeah. And I work uh, maybe three or four days a week during the summer, of course. Yeah. And of course, it was all actually illegal because I wasn't, you know, they weren't taking out taxes and stuff. No, no, but well, back in those days, I nobody really cared. And so, but what did you do? You well, I had to go clean up. So I was so small. I mean, I don't, I can't. By the way, I can't fit into this anymore. Oh no, I can't. eight but, years old. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. Okay. But I, but I must say that that was so small that I could actually crawl way, way back inside the cabinets and clean up the mushrooms. Uh, 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 the uh, marshmallow sauce that had spilled out of the one-gallon cans. Because uh-huh. like, on a busy Saturday night, these high school kids that were working there, they would just take these cans and throw them back in the cabinets and whatnot, and they'd, half the time they'd fall over. And nobody else could fit inside there to get there to clean it all up. So I'd <laughs> go way in the back of this cabinet and be down with a scraper and, and, and washcloths, and I'd get all that stuff cleaned up. So then I went right from that to having two jobs, Going to going to school and having two jobs at the same time as a as a, as a machinist at fifteen at a Jules Auto Parts doing rebuilding engines and whatnot. Uh, Magnolia, Magnolia again. Yeah. yeah, and then over down uh, at the Sizzler Restaurant in Burbank, which is now closed. Yes. And I was I was a busboy and a dishwasher. Right. But I was still I wasn't even getting paid by the way. But I was you, just working there because you to you would get these jobs by because. I always said, we all have to work. You'd want money and stuff. I'd say, what do you think? I have a money tree out That's there? That's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And sometimes it actually was just for eating because you had to go work as a waitress since I was kind of hungry. So I'd go there and <laughs> they, they wouldn't give me any meat, which is actually kind of a good thing. I'm a vegetarian now. Oh. But I would get a baked potato and maybe a soft drink and a salad or and something. And a salad, yeah. yeah. And I just lived off of that. And uh, it was lots of fun. And every now and then, the guy said, hey, you did a great job. We were busy. Here's $5. $5. I couldn't believe wow. it. Wow. Yeah, I was amazed. So. <laughs> and I ended up getting a real job there. They hired me legally at 15 for the worker's permit and all that stuff. Oh. And then, um, and that was, but I, I learned a lot, by the way. You know, the Mexican people, Hispanics, they were very hard workers. And I, I learned a lot of my work ethic from them. Right. Because they just had, they all had two jobs, every one of them. And that was a long time ago when it was, wasn't really that necessary. But they were in a weird position where they had to support their families in Mexico and here. That's true. So they were always sending half their paycheck to Mexico. And it was an interesting true. time. Yes. But, uh, but they were great people. And they taught me a lot about just, you know, just, just 
keep on going. Yeah. Great, Wim. That's yep. exciting. Yeah. So. I, yeah. Well, what else? You had something. Well, then, 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 of course, then later on, yeah. I had the auto repair shop. Oh, yes. So I, I, oh, I worked for a transmission guy for a little while, Daryl Young's Transmissions, and, and was doing a lot of work on vehicles for him. Right. And then I went to work for some other little places in the in the area, and then decided to get my own place, because that's, that's what it, that was my destiny. And I had that for about five years, and that was okay, except I fixed everybody's car in the neighborhood to the point where I actually put myself out of business. Yeah. Because they... They didn't need any work. I'd, I'd done that taking care of everybody, and that was kind of a weird deal. But then I moved on to having an auto parts store. Right. And that was really a great, exciting time until AutoZone came in and right. pretty much took care of that. So AutoZone and their great corporate hand just crushed me and everybody else in that business, by yeah, the way. Yeah, you used to have a fleet account at Lockheed. Lockheed. Well, we had we sold to everybody in my area. I'd say maybe 10, 20, 20 mile square area we sold to. We had over 320 customer accounts, you know, charge accounts. Wow. Very, very busy. Had four or five drivers uh, every time. And that's, <sighs> again, that's all just disappeared. And then I, so uh, seeing that was a failing deal, I went into the boat business, which I became a yacht broker and then I ended up buying the company. Bob Kevill Yacht Sales. That's right. So I, now I'm you know, doing that and doing a lot of maintenance and service as well because that business has kind of been slowed up a bit. Sure. The, but thank know. goodness, if something isn't working, you have a, enough... Um, wits about you to say, well, I gotta pay the bills. So. Oh yeah, no, I, you know, I, I, I probably never go completely hungry, and I can fix whatever can be fixed if it's fixable. Yes. You know, and I, and again, like I say, it goes back to that whole thing. And of course, I was also very fortunate. I mean, since the subject is about me, that, <laughs> that uh, I was went to a very creative school. I went oh, to yeah. a Burbank school in the beginning, kindergarten. And uh, I used to run around uh, thinking I was a mouse because I was told uh, I was called a mouse by my dad, so I thought it was a mouse. Oh, and, and you then, would squeak. I would squeak like a mouse. And so in kindergarten, they didn't really care. But in first grade, they said, you can't squeak anymore. Okay. And I said, wait a minute. You know, that amongst other things, I said, I'm not going back. And, <laughs> and you said, what do you mean? I said, I'm not going back. I'm so then grade. what do I do? I think, oh, my gosh, so I get the phone book. In those days, they didn't have computers. Of course, I'm not computer savvy anyway, but... I looked up in the phone book and it said Creative Play Center. No, it said cre uh, Creative School. Creative School. A Waldorf School, Highland Hall. And it was on Riverside Drive in North Hollywood. I went over there and I talked to the people and I said, this is perfect for you. Yeah, it was an old, actually two or three converted houses on a, on a lot. Right. Which they've since now torn down and made apartments. But it was these old funky houses built in the 20s. Yes. That he converted into schoolrooms. And you had one teacher for 12 years. Yes. He became like your mentor, father, you know, consultant guy. Yeah. And I was very fortunate. He was an ex-Hughes aircraft employee. So oh, he's wow. So he an engineering background. So him and I could actually talk about engineering in first grade. Oh, my gosh. Versus having, you know, <laughs> these other mean teachers in Burbank. Plus, the biggest thing, I could squeak. Oh, you could squeak, didn't, huh? Didn't get in trouble. Yeah. How did you squeak? Oh, I can't really can't do it. I can't do oh, it anymore. I used, to, I used to squeak like a mouse. But anyway. Oh, goodness. So um, that was great. But that school, I went there for seven years. And I was really fortunate that I got to develop at my own pace. And I didn't, we didn't have grades. No. And we didn't have, you know, tests and all these deadlines and stuff. And that was good for me because I, I'm not uh, a person that can take that kind of uh, pressure and it's not my thing, right? I, and then they made that you wrote your own books. Well, we'd we'd draw. They would, he would tell us a story with our heads down the table, and he would read from a book and and tell us a story about the Iliad and the Odyssey and all these different Homer tales. And 
everything actually go to, to ancient India, uh, to the Bible, to just all these different stories. And then afterwards, we'd have to just you know, write up what we heard in our own interpretation. Yes. It was, but was never graded or judged, you know. And then the other thing, sometimes we'd have these big watercolor paintings that we'd actually make of an incident. We'd pick an incident, like it was a volcanic eruption in the story. We'd uh, oh. I drew like a picture best I could, which was not very good, by the way, <laughs> of a volcano erupting, you know, yeah. and stuff. And so, but that, but that was what I had to deal with. That was my level of stress. You know, I didn't have yeah. you know, these other people saying, you better get an A or else we're going to do this. And it was just a different thing, you know. I know it. Different thing. I remember you told me, Mom, we're building a chicken brick to keep the chickens in or something or well, something. Well, no, actually it was, it was a block, a brick wall. Okay, brick wall. It, it just, it, just to teach us how to use our hands. That's yeah. another thing. We had beeswax. I used my hands. was you know, very critical for me at my little work and stuff. I made these little creatures out of beeswax. And, but we made this block wall, which we learned how to use a brick and the mortar and how to mix it and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And that was like eight years old or something like that. So, yeah. and of course I just, that just put me on a crash course of building stuff. I mean, I, I construction know. things and yeah. I've poured driveways and foundations. And in fact, that one property that we developed, yes. the, the, the guy who was doing the foundation quit about halfway through and I had to finish it. <laughs> <laughs> but luckily, he had most of the stuff in place, but I had to put the grout in and do all the rest of the fitting of the block and all that stuff, but I got it done. Is that the, is that the place we call the Bat Cave? The Bat Cave, yeah. yeah. That's, a, that's one of my uh, saving graces. Yeah, because so. you always had all these cars. You loved cars. Oh, yeah. Well, definitely have too many cars, and somewhere around 50, I think, actually. Oh, gosh. And but the so Bat Cave is a 17,000-square-foot facility, and it's full. And it's full. It's full. Can you believe that? Anyway, so I'm trying to sort a few things out there, but it's, it is my saving grace. I have all my cutting equipment, welders, torches, and I can build I, anything I can think I can make right there. I've got end mills and machines. Whatever I can think of, I can actually build right wow. there. So it's very great. <sighs> so, Mr. Weaver, thank you for bringing me, giving me two children because that little win, he's a... Uh, he keeps me happy. He calls me every night from when he comes home from work, and he makes me laugh. And I said, "When, as long as you make me laugh, I'm going to live a long time because I got to get oxygen into the brain, and that makes me kid <laughs> gives me oxygen." Well, you really laugh when I ask you for money. Oh, oh yes, there you go. <laughs> I'm very lucky to have you and and my father as parents because most of my friends who I grew up with had restrictions and this and that, and they none of them have achieved. You know, I think their potential. You know, I they, agree. They, they've all been just kind of held back by this and that, and they they survived. They went, did nine to five jobs, and some people became more successful than others. Yes. But I don't know if any of them really had my freedom, where I could just go crazy. Right. And, and just, and of course, you right. always told me, with a privilege comes a responsibility. Absolutely. And I hear that in my head to this day. So. That's, and I also said, do the golden rule: do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. Yep. Yep. And hate begets hate, yep. and love begets love. That's correct, yep. yep. And you are good. People love you. At the boat business, there's so many people, when I meet them, they say, oh, we love when, mm. because you are fair, and you don't judge people. You don't put people down. You're always smiling. Well, I'm trying to you know, do a good job and whatnot, and I could probably make a lot more money, but I just can't do it because I don't feel that's the right thing. If I see a problem with the boat, I can fix you know, cheaply 
and it'll it'll work. I just say I'll fix it and charge them for what it's worth versus what I could have gotten. Uh, I and, know. And that, and I actually hurt myself sometimes because I get things done a little bit too quick. Yeah. And most guys would be on there for three or four days. I'm there for maybe ten minutes. I know you're so fast. I go right to the problem because of my level of experience and how you know understanding things really down to a molecular level. I can just look at stuff and say, okay. This is how it's supposed to go, and this is what I got to do to fix it, and that's it. You know? Wow. So, and I do have a lot of tools that help me with that. I got it whittled down to a handful I can put on a little boat and go from boat to boat and do some repair. But Great. The bottom line is that, um, you know, all those years of experience, and I kind of look at it as a kung fu episode. You know, like <laughs> David fu. Carradine is going down a trail and gets, he gets some conflict. And he flashes back to his childhood in some little scene. Ah. I do the same thing. I, I see a problem and go, oh, yeah. And it goes back maybe 30 years ago. Oh, yeah, I had that problem 30 years ago. I remember, how did I fix that? Oh, yeah, that's what I did. And I go back and take care of it. Yeah. So it's kind of... And a lot yeah. of times at night you'll tell me about a, something you did, and I'll say, wow, you've never done that thing before. You said, no, I learned a lot today. And I'll also say, I hope I never have to do that again. That's true. <laughs> you do say that. Many jobs, I say, this is it. I'm going to do this job and never do this again. I, I'll figure out a better way. And to make more money doing something else because I don't want to do certain things. Because you're tall and you have to crawl under. How how, how much space do you have to crawl under these boats? Oh, it's sometimes a matter of just maybe five or six inches. you got to just put your hand in there or put your head in there just, just to see what's going on. Yeah. I'm kind of fortunate. I, I weigh the same that I used to weigh in high school. Wow. So I, I've not gained a pound since then. So, um, yeah, I guess one of the things I also was gifted by both of you, it was I'm very, uh, I guess... Speedy. I run around quite a bit. I have a lot of energy. Yeah. And uh, being a vegetarian, I think, really helps. But aside from that, my mind works very, very fast. And sometimes I even have, like, anxiety because it's working a little bit too fast. Right. I got to calm down. But uh, I'm always running around, you know, like a chicken with my head cut off. But that that's, to me, is normal. You know? <laughs> and I, I also play music, so I'm playing drums. And people say, hey, you got to slow down. I go, slow down? I'm not even going fast. This is nothing. <laughs> I hear the playback. I say, oh, my God. And in my mind, I'm going. I'm just creeping. I'm oh literally just creeping. And then I listened to the playback. I said, "This is ridiculous." And so I had to really struggle to keep from playing too fast okay. because not that I want to get the song over with. It's just that to me, it's so easy. I'm just just blasting through it. I you see. Know? So I'm not really thinking about it. I'm usually thinking about something else when I'm playing my drums. I'm <laughs> something else, a problem that I'm trying to fix, or something else. So, but I'm always running around, and I don't do any drugs. Never have. Never will. You know, but it's just the nature of my beast. And I've been told that by a few people. Everything you do is so fast. Okay. Yeah. That's <laughs> well, just the way it is. Yeah, you, you gave up alcohol. You When you were 21, that was your... That was you it. Said, I'm yeah, not I experimented alcohol with a few friends in high school and whatnot. And you'd get sick and, and throw I'd get, up? I'd get sick and terrible. And I is, I can't really drink. I hate couldn't stand the taste. It was all peer pressure, you know, nonsense. Yeah. And then I just decided... At 21, where I could actually buy this stuff, and after watching my father and his demise with alcohol and whatnot, right. I said I can buy this stuff legally now. And I said now it's time for me to quit because it, it could destroy me. And I also had just opened my repair shop at that time, and and I didn't didn't want to have that interfere because the stress could make you use that as a crutch or something like that. So I was not interested in that kind of thing. I'm proud of you for that win. Well, a lot yeah. of my friends were surprised, and they a few got mad at me. A lot of them have come back and said, "Hey, you probably did the right thing." Yeah. But that, you know, but I also just stopped partying with them, and they were they got pretty upset about that. I'm the sure way. they did. Yeah, yeah. So I was, I was a bit of a life of the party, as you can imagine. Little, <laughs> oh yeah, because from my dad, you, you know? got his right. sense of humor. Right. You do have a good sense of humor too. Right. 
my father and his side of the family gave me the brains. You know, Pat yeah. Weaver was my uncle who created Today Show and Tonight Show. And, and and my grandfather built half of Los Angeles. Sylvester Weaver, Sylvester Weaver. Laughlin he, he, he Weaver. He built the Chamber of Commerce in 1915. He built the, uh, the uh, uh, helped put together the L.A. Harbor and, and the breakwater and all that kind of stuff was very close to uh, uh, those people in Long Beach and, and, and making all that happen. And then he was part of the freeway structure thing, the, the uh, Pasadena Freeway, he was part of that committee. And uh, he was very, very involved. So my father, his portion of his genetic you know, makeup gave me this must mind, I should say, that's very, very interested in creating things and doing stuff like that, big projects. And Aunt Silva. Well, Aunt Silva, well, that was, yeah, that's over here. So Aunt Silva, she actually, I used to hear her uh -huh. be on the phone talking to people about getting things done around her house. And she had a certain level of diplomacy which I, at a very, very young age, I'd listen to it and say, okay, well, that's if you want something done, that's what you do. You don't threaten somebody. You, you work something out. You say, hey, you know, I'll give you this if you do this for me. Or, you know, and she was very diplomatic. It was amazing that you get, get that from her. Oh, good. Yeah, that was really great. Very good. So I guess, you know, some people have said, you're a jack of all trades. And I say, well, yeah, but a master of none, because really, I've never really got to the point where I made anything absolutely perfect, just so you know. I mean, if I built a race car, it was always rough around the edge. Now, it might have beat everybody on the street, but it was far from what they would call it. They would put $10,000 in a motor. Right. And they'd spend all this time machining everything just right. I'd kind of look at the thing in my thumb and go like this. <laughs> That'll work. Yeah. And I just, boy, that thing was faster than heck. And people, they didn't believe me. One guy, I actually called this guy. I said, come to my house tonight. Or when I was living here, actually, in the garage uh -huh. in high school. I said, I want you to watch me put this motor together. I made him sit there for two hours putting this thing together. <laughs> And I then, then I said, because I'm going to race you, and I'm going to blow you away. Wow. And he says, oh, no, you're not. I said, yeah, okay. So I put this thing together, and he watched me do it, and I put it together, and I blew him away. And he said, he told all his friends, no, I, swap, I swapped motors. After he left, I put another motor in there, ah. which is not true, of course. No, of course. But whatever. But, yeah, master of none. And, you know, I, if I'm cutting and welding something, it's not going to be perfectly perfect because that's not my goal. My goal is to get the job done and get down the road. Yeah. So you know that if, if I want to go to a professional, you know I'd take it to somebody who really can do that just right. Right. You know, I understand. I, I'm, I'm happy with my work and it's strong and it does the job. Right. But I, I don't. I do consider myself perhaps a jack of all trades, but I do not consider myself a master. Okay. I really do not. To me, you're a master. You know, people who master things, which I appreciate, they, they sometimes can you know think inside the box too much. And it'll limit their, you know, their their ability to to just you know expand their horizon and whatnot. Uh -huh. So if I kind of just get things done to where they are functional, it doesn't limit me and my thinking to just that being perfect, you know, square edges and whatnot. That's not how I see the world. I see. So basically, if I was to be that kind of guy who had everything perfect, then that's probably where I'd, I'd be stuck, yeah. and I don't want to be there. No. I want to be able to, to just do other things and carry on. And I don't think anybody can really be a master of all trades because it's, 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 it's I think it's impossible. I mean, you, you, if you do have that much, you know, versatility, you're going to always make a mistake here and there or things aren't going to be perfect. That's all there is to it. And anyway, uh, Oscar and I want to say thank you for tuning in to Rita's World. It's a world where we talk about everything from soup to nuts. But everybody... 
Go forward, love yourself, and then you can love others. Thank you again. I want to say to my girlfriend, Diane Billiou, um, she helped me go to UCLA, and I got to do a movie at Universal called Stranger in My Arms. But Diane Billiou said, Riga, we'll go take a course at theater, or theater Arts at UCLA for the summer. I said, oh, no, I couldn't do that because I'm not a student or smart like that. She said, yes, you could. And I got an A minus, only A I ever got in my life. But I did do a movie at Universal called Stranger in My Eyes. So that was my claim for in the movie business. Very good. <laughs> All right, well, congratulations. Okay. See, world, what we can do? We never stop learning.